Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. From the Imperial Ballroom at the Royal York Hotel in downtown Toronto, welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you just joining us through either our webcast or our podcast, welcome to this meeting. Before our distinguished speaker is introduced today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our head table guests. I would ask each guest to rise for a brief moment and be seated as your name is called, and I would ask the audience to refrain from applauding until all of the head table guests have been introduced. So, of course, at our head table, the Honorable Cameron Friesen, Minister of Finance, Province of Manitoba. Jonathan Hunter, Global Head, Fixed Income and Currencies, RBC Capital Markets. Chris Morley, Vice President, Government Relations, OMERS, Director, Empire Club of Canada. Rob Brown, Managing Director, Co-Head, Canadian Debt Capital Markets, RBC Capital Markets. Kelly Simonson, Managing Director, Coke Fertilizer, Canada. Megan Boyle, Director of Public Affairs, Red Bull Canada, and a Director of the Empire Club of Canada. Damani Thomas, Masters of Finance student, Rotman School of Management, University of Toronto. And Jan Westcott, President and CEO, Spirits Canada. And my name is Barbara Jessen. I'm the President of Jessen and Company Communications and the President of the Empire Club of Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, your head table guests. If provinces were siblings, I would say Manitoba is the quiet, thoughtful one. It isn't the confident elder sister that would probably go to Ontario, I think, or the youngest prankster Newfoundland. It isn't the joyous Quebec, the rowdy athletic Calgary, or the independent British Columbia. But it does have something. Early in my working career, I had an opportunity to travel fairly often throughout Manitoba, making the drive from Kenora to Pine Falls and then on to Winnipeg. And then one of my closest girlfriends up and married a farmer from Rosser, just outside of Winnipeg. And that meant even more frequent and longer visits. We had excursions to Brandon and summer drives to Gimli. And I, I never got to the far north, but I have been to Camarno with its iconic statue of a giant mosquito standing by the roadside as you drive into town. It looks like something out of a 1950s horror film. I developed a very healthy respect for Manitobans who could survive those ferocious winters only to be greeted by swarms of mosquitoes during the few months of summer. And I came to know and understand the rich cultural life that sustained the people of Winnipeg through those long winter months. The province has quietly nurtured the East from its rich breadbasket and provided us with some of our finest authors, musicians, artists, and an outstanding dance company. It has fielded great athletes and delivered a rare, fine whiskey, Crown Royal Northern Harvest, selected as the best whiskey in the world in 2015. There are those who will say that they find the landscape flat and uninteresting. But I can tell you honestly that if you have never stood on the Manitoba Prairie at dusk, gazing out across miles of rustling grain fields to that hazy place where the earth meets the horizon, you have missed something extraordinary and very special. It is one of those few places from which you can actually get a sense of our planet's curvature, truly moving and almost mystical. But then, just to ground you and ensure you don't get out of touch with reality, you're jolted out of bed in the middle of the night by a loud train whistle, those trains rumbling across the track that bind Canada and deliver Manitoba's bounty to the rest of the country. Here to tell us more about the thriving Manitoba economy and the solid, consistent support it provides for all of us in this country is the Honourable Cameron Friesen, Minister of Finance for Manitoba. 
I learned that we share some Mennonite heritage and that Mr. Friesen taught in the public school system in Manitoba for 12 years before election to represent the constituency of Morden Winkler in the Manitoba legislature. Under Premier Brian Pallister, he is responsible for the Manitoba Civil Service and chair of the Treasury Board. He is also a member of the government's Planning and Priorities Committee. Mr. Cameron's third budget, delivered on March 12th this year, demonstrated significant progress in reducing the deficit, provided record tax relief to Manitoban families, and continues the government's moderate and balanced approach. Mr. Cameron loves Manitoba, the people, the history, the family focus, the work ethic, and the commitment to helping others. He is here with us today to share his commitment to ensuring Manitoba its strong path towards financial stability and economic prosperity. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the Honourable Cameron Friesen, Minister of Finance, to the Empire Club podium. Good afternoon, everyone. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here at the Empire Club and speak with all of you. Things are looking up. Someone located my speech. In the absence of a speech, I was intending to read from the estimates of expenditure, starting on page 39. Uh, That's the Department of Infrastructure. Uh, But they located the speech. Barbara, thank you for your warm introduction, and and, uh, thank you to our uh, head table, our sponsors today who uh, make these events possible. It's great to be in Toronto. I uh, I found a a Toronto citizen this morning who was wearing a a Leafs jersey, and I went up to him. I said, uh, go Jets. And in typical Toronto style, he looked at me and says, what, are they in this too? Oh, man, only in Toronto, center of the universe. But uh, great to see both of these teams uh, uh, in the playoffs. Great to see uh, the prospect of them, uh, you know, uh, looking ahead towards what's possible. So we won't jinx anything here. We'll just say we're excited to see that first win from Winnipeg yesterday and looking for many more of those. So I see there's a few fans in, in the room. Mesdames et Messieurs, je suis très heureux d'être ici uh, avec vous uh, aujourd'hui pour parler uh, au sujet de Manitoba. Uh, we have a good news story to tell in Manitoba, and we, could be, uh, we couldn't be more excited to be telling it at this point in time. Uh, I recognize that I've been in this role for uh, two years, less about eight days, at least when we were elected in 2016. And uh, m- many of you have heard my premier speak. You've certainly heard it in our budget remarks that we, uh, we inherited challenges. And we're not the only ones who inherited challenges. We recognized very early on that uh, it was incumbent upon us to make uh, progress on behalf of uh, all Manitobans in three uh, key areas. We said we we were elected to fix the finances. We were elected to rebuild our services, and we were elected to uh, uh, rebuild the Manitoba economy. Uh, And when you're new in this role, you come with uh, not a lot of results, but a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, What we have uh, appreciated now is that with almost two years uh, in our mandate, uh, we have results to talk about. And we have been able to demonstrate what we said we would be equal uh, to taking on, uh, which was this enormous challenge of eliminating the deficit, uh, creating a framework for more tax fairness in our jurisdiction, uh, being a, a powerful uh, spokesperson and sponsor uh, for doing business in the province of Manitoba and creating the framework uh, in which uh, families uh, can keep more of their hard-earned money and w- in which uh, businesses uh, and new investment uh, comes into our jurisdiction. Uh, you may recall me saying earlier that uh, I remember one of uh, my first briefings with Treasury Board Secretariat, 
And uh, the secretary came into my office and said, Minister, you're new here, but I want to explain something. If left unaddressed, we have just done the pre-estimates call for expenditures. And the implication of this on your budget is a deficit uh, of $1.2 billion from 900 at that time. And in three years, you will be at $1.7 billion. Now, for the size of Manitoba's economy, for the size of our revenues and expenditures, it's an extraordinarily large number. Uh, when we took government, we inherited a $900 million deficit. And we inherited more than that. A loss of fiscal discipline is, is how one credit rating agency had put it. Adjustment fatigue is the way another credit rating agency put it. But in a nutshell, Manitoba's problem was on the expenditure management side. Clearly, it seemed on the face of it through the examination of, of uh, as many of you have done, of the province's position, uh, own source revenues, very good, a balanced and steady and stable economy, growing, yes, one of the, uh, the top performing economy in Manitoba measured, or in Canada, measured over 10 years on average, avoiding some of the lows and steady, stable growth forward. And yet on the expenditure side, uh, put simply, in an eight-year period before we took uh, power, uh, the average expenditure, the average expenditure increase was 3.4 percent, and the average uh, increase in uh, revenue uh, was 2.6. That's not sustainable, and it meant we had to get to work, and get to work we did. So two years ago, when we were here with an enthusiastic message of how we would do better, uh, we talked uh, at that time uh, about our commitment uh, to arresting that uh, out-of-control uh, rate of growth, of expenditure. And we did it. Our first budget was called Correcting the Course. And we set out to, uh, to get better systems in place, uh, to set targets that government would have to meet in all departments, to get a better line of sight on other reporting entities within government, including the Crown Corporations, uh, and, and uh, health organizations, school divisions, because we said we were all in this together. We needed to take a view that said we must all make progress. Why? For a better, more stable, more prosperous Manitoba. And we did make uh, uh, progress in that first budget. Uh, we were able to hold expenditure increases in government. Uh, last year, we came back with a, with a plan that said uh, we're making progress again. We held expenditure growth right around 2%. And from that historic 3.4%, that's very, very significant. Uh, And at the same time, we launched a review of the tax regime. We engaged with KPMG to undertake an evaluation of government. What could we do better? Where are there opportunities? They clearly came back and say, efficiency, effectiveness, you need to find new ways of doing things. I remember one time I was talking with a, a new civil servant I had, and he's, uh, he leads the area uh, known as BTT, Business Transformation and Technology. He'd come into my office one day, and he was hired for that position very much the same time I was hired for mine. He came in and said, Minister, I said, I want to give you a report on BTT. This is depressing. He says, uh, we're in bad shape. We need to modernize. We need to innovate. There's very little attention or, or appetite for risk. And he's depressing me. And then he leans forward and says, I could not be more excited. And uh, we kind of feel the same way. I remember, I'll never forget that statement he made. Uh, But truly for us, uh, in the context of the need for growth was at least this recognition that there was the ability to make progress. And so now budget 2018, we're back uh, today uh, talking to bond rating agencies. We'll be engaging with some investor groups uh, tomorrow. And and our budget is entitled uh, Keeping Our Promises to Manitobans and Real Progress for Manitobans. 
And we're doing that. This, this is a budget that uh, historically raises the basic personal amount for Manitoba. We have lagged behind other jurisdictions. We indexed it last year as, as, a, as a signal of fairness, but now it's like we've supersized it, uh, raising it within, in the next two years uh, by $2,000. Uh, that means more money in the pockets of every Manitoba household. It's good for uh, moderate income families. It's good for uh, retirees who are still uh, earning some income and declaring some income. It's good for university students. Uh, and it helps. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we've been clear on, uh, uh, on carbon pricing. Uh, we have brought what we call our Made in Manitoba Green and, and Climate Initiative, which we think will work actually better than the federal government's uh, plan. Uh, it raises a, a $25 per ton uh, charge to fuel. Uh, and we believe that it, by setting a more significant first target, you will actually shape and change consumer behavior. And because of that, uh, we believe it is significant, better for the economy, better for the environment, better for Manitobans. And clearly, we're, already, we're also saying uh, that is it important for the federal government and others to recognize that we're calling upon people to make a commitment to green. And we've made that in Manitoba. And we are in the middle of making that in respect of billions of dollars of new investment uh, in kiosk generating station, in Bipole 3, that transmission line connecting us to domestic markets and foreign uh, customers. Uh, those are very significant uh, and legacy investments. And they will near completion in the next year, two, and three. And uh, as we stand up those new investments, it continues to reinforce this investment we've made in Manitoba Hydro, a 98% green energy uh, production capability, uh, something that few provinces can boast, but something that clearly needs to be uh, taken into account. Now, I understand that Mr. Morneau is in the next room, so if I would say that loudly enough, I could indicate to him, um, listen, we, we clearly said that Manitoba needs to do its part. And we believe that, uh, that over time, the federal government will come to understand from an evidence base how significant it is what we're doing in Manitoba. Uh, a few other things I want to highlight for you. We're gaining credibility, uh, says one bond rating agency. It says in the, now uh, beyond enthusiasm, you have the demonstration of results. And I can tell you that uh, for the uh, current year that we're just finishing out, for the 17-18 year, we started with a budget estimate of $840 million, and right now that's revised on forecast to $726 million. We're making some very significant progress on deficit reduction. But at the same time, we budgeted for $521 million loss in the 18-19 year. And that's more than $300 million of deficit reduction in that one period of time. We've strengthened our balanced budget legislation. We brought legislation last year that says clearly governments need accountability to keep on track towards deficit elimination, and they need accountability to stay in balance after the fact. We enhanced those provisions now to make sure that if government had the ability to go quicker, uh, the the uh, framework we put in place was to say $100 million of deficit reduction per year until balance. And some said, well, that's, that's not fast enough. And we said it's that moderate and balanced approach because we've got other challenges as well. But, but clearly what we're saying now is if government had the opportunity to harvest savings in advance of more, why would we not provide the framework for government to take up that opportunity? Otherwise, we're going to slow this down. As a result of those changes, 
Uh, the budget papers show we're ahead of schedule on deficit reduction, actually $200 million ahead uh, on that schedule. So that's uh, been well received, we believe, uh, by markets, by citizens who want us on this path. And we're pleased about that new trajectory that we're, sh we're showing. Uh, we have in place other measures to make sure we keep going down this path. We have a Bill 28, which is a, which is a Sustainability Act framework for the public services. It essentially says uh, government's ability to pay must be taken into account during this recovery period. But I, I'm careful to, 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 to spell out for people in, in Manitoba, it's not forever. Uh, and it's important to have hope. One individual I was speaking to, uh, a uh, president uh, of a university, said to me, uh, Minister, you need to make sure that your provisions uh, contain hope. And I thought that is a very good point. And even in our, in our, um, in our labor sustainment uh, legislation, uh, it prescribes an uh, escalating amount framework uh, where negotiations could take place. So it clearly signals that this won't be forever. As we recover as a province, it means there is a benefit in it for all of us. Uh, and we're happy about that. Now, in addition to that, we've, we've made some significant steps on red tape reduction. We've made some significant steps in health care transformation. Uh, but if this uh, speech had a subtitle, it would be, uh, you would not believe uh, how interesting the boring stuff can be. And, and truly, uh, from Manitoba's perspective, we needed to build better systems. We needed to build better structures to get the results we were looking for. Because we have structural costs we're trying to get at. And that structural cost has to move down over time because we're in this imbalance. And the result of that is we pay far too much in debt service charge and far more now than we even did two, three years ago. And part of that, of course, is interest rates creeping up. But part of that is just about the capacity, the amount of borrowings that were undertaken. So we've done some very, very interesting things in a boring area called Treasury Board Secretariat. Uh, when we inherited government, uh, that particular area of government, I mean, government's central interface to departments and beyond uh, on the rep uh, reporting entity, it was somewhat impoverished. Uh, there was no capacity left at program review. And we've hired talent in the, in the private sector. We've tapped some prominent people on the shoulder and said, would you give us some time? to help us do something very special in Manitoba. And as Barbara was saying, I'm not sure we would be considered to be the quiet and thoughtful ones in the family, but I appreciate that characterization of us. If there are some characteristics I know about Manitobans, I would say uh, determined, not, uh, not risk adverse. Uh, and uh, and you know, that, 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 that climate shapes us. We become a little stubborn. But we're very loyal to each other. You know, you see that in social events in Manitoba if you've attended them, and you see it in community spirit, you see it in volunteerism. And so when it came to this, we were able to tap some real talent on the shoulder. And they said, I'll give you a few years, I'll give you some time. And we're building something very special uh, new processes, uh, new line of sight into departments, uh, new framework for accountability, return on investment framework for all capital investments. Uh, changing our thinking on capital, instead of doing it balkanized in nine areas of government, creating like a super capital committee that will oversee the whole process, uh, revamping procurement because uh, government has to shop smarter, and that's a, a phrase that our premier uses, and Manitobans are, shops, uh, are smart shoppers, and they expect uh, government to do the same. I mean, Manitobans save their Canadian tire money, and they all show up at Costco in droves on a Saturday morning if they can save 12 cents on a box of Cheerios, I guess 10 cents now with the rounding. We have to do the rounding. But some of the areas that will actually demonstrate the value, 
the reason Manitoba will, I believe, increasingly become that, not that problem child in the nation, but become that, that star child, you know, the, the first one in mom and dad's iPhone, hey, let me show you what my kid is doing. It's going to be because of that careful attention to detail, building a framework for accountability in, in innovation and projects through a scorecard system that ripples through entities where we can identify problems, we can speed up timelines. We've created a new uh, a subgroup within... Um, within a secretariat called the Transformation Unit. And think of it as an opportunities unit. And this group of highly talented individuals, MBAs and otherwise, goes out and assesses government's uh, framework and looks for opportunity. Treasury Board is, is busy and we've got other work to do. So we can assign work to this group. And we said in our budget, one such opportunity is air services. Now, a lot of governments and a lot of provinces don't own their air services. Uh, Manitoba happens to. This transformation group came and said, are, are you married to the idea of owning that? Well, we said, well, we take an evidence-based approach. What's best? They said, well, we don't know what's best. It might be better to own it. It might be better to sell it and procure the service on a fixed-cost basis. Let's find out. And they're out there doing that work that we would not have the capacity or bandwidth to perform. But even little things along the way, I'm the minister responsible for, uh, think of it as intergovernmental services. Uh, we call it central service. So I'm responsible for all the cars out there for the government, all the fleet services, both large and small fleet. And they're looking at opportunities there. Should we own it? Should we sell it? But in the meantime, they said, you don't have vehicle locators, GPS-enabled vehicle locators. Other provinces do that. You install those in the vehicles and you save $5 million overnight because people start to drive their vehicles differently. Or maybe you don't show up at the lake on the weekend. It's amazing what accountability will do. <laughs> There's stories there I could tell. I won't. Back to page 39 of the budget and budget papers. Okay, now I'm going to get the hook soon, so I'm going to start to wrap up. Very good. Transformation capital. There's a part of our budget that we've actually printed up, which is strange for a, a finance minister who's preaching the, you know, the value of going in the opposite direction. We've printed up an internal service adjustment, and we think it's appropriate to do so. Cannabis legalization, we were having engaging conversations here, a tremendous challenge to all of us, regardless of your views on it. It's moving fast and it's coming at us. And we take a view that says we have an obligation to both those who will use these products and those who choose not to. The principal, uh, the principal form of that responsibility comes in the form of, of, of uh, it is a, a, a demonstrated duty of safety. We take that view, but it's coming at us. We don't know all the costs. Carbon tax coming at us, and we don't know all the costs. Significant questions around NAFTA and how that negotiation will execute. Uh, significant risks on, on significant weather events that are coming at us. So we think at this time it's appropriate to have an ability to respond. However, housed in there is a $40 million innovation and opportunity fund whereby we're going to make a contest uh, where uh, the civil servants in our employ uh, can, take, um, can take small uh, teaching units to learn how to write a business plan and then compete for projects to say, I've been waiting for four years for someone to give me a few resources to be able to save the government over three years this amount of money by doing this more efficiently, more effectively, in collaboration with another department that could be, um, that could be an IT project to, uh, uh, to do something uh, digitally that we now do uh, not digitally. Uh, and, and governments are, are, are risk adverse on, on digital as well. I had a meeting recently with Scott Bryson. It was a great exchange because I'm, I'm the minister responsible for IT as well as everything else. And uh, Scott had said to me, and he's shared it publicly. You might know this phrase. And he says, uh, he says, uh, we are a blockbuster government in a Netflix world. And I said, <laughs> I said, Minister, from my perspective, 23 months in, it's worse than that. 
I said, we are a VCR flashing 12 noon government in a Netflix world. And, and Minister Bryson doesn't miss a beat. And he says, we're actually a government with a VCR and we've got that electrical tape over the 12. But over time, you can create the conditions. You can change the culture, both the environment in which the civil service works and the work that they do. You can provide incentives. Perhaps you can provide prizes. You must entertain risk in order to do it. But we are excited about, uh, about what we're building there. So let me wrap up. I didn't talk much about the economy, and I'll, I'll invite some questions if you have them, but we're very, very uh, pleased at what's happening and the results of the changes we're putting in place. And I can tell you that business and household confidence has strengthened. I can tell you that our labor force is a million strong. I can tell you that our unemployment numbers continue to drop below the na national average. I can tell you that we had uh, the uh, highest farm cash receipts on record in the province of Manitoba last year. Uh, we don't take, uh, we don't take uh, credit for when the rain falls, so that one's a little bit more variable, uh, but, uh, but our, our, our farm sector is well poised for growth. Manufacturing sales up 5.3% last year alone, and I see my Deputy Minister Jim Richardson nodding on that one. It's a very good uh, growth. Fastest growing uh, population in, in, in Canada over the last three years, uh, and the record level of capital investment happening in residential and non-residential buildings. There's a lot happening. High Life just announced a $170 million investment in, in, uh, in Manitoba. Roquette, a uh, French uh, pea producer, just announced an over $400 million investment in Manitoba. Simplot just announced a $460 million expansion to their plant. Last week, you might have seen that Ubisoft Entertainment uh, from France uh, just made a foothold in Manitoba, an international global leader on software development. I know nothing about the games these guys develop. I was raised on Pong, and then when we got really good, my parents bought Super Pong. Uh, but my kids tell me that this is huge, and I, I like, the, I like the, um, the spirit of Ubisoft who comes in and says, this is just a cornerstone. Something very special is happening in Manitoba. There is optimism, there is pride from the cultural sector uh, to, the, uh, to the digital sector. We have tax credit reviews that are going on in partnership with industry. And what we're saying with, to them is, help us. Uh, we've built some good credits in this province, but we take a value-based return on investment approach. So what can we build that's even better? One of those tax credit uh, undertakings is happening starting next week, where the Minister of Sport, Culture, Heritage, and I are meeting with uh, leading officials uh, in the film uh, industry to talk about what will our film and video production tax credit look like in a 2.0 environment. So our, our growth is good. You know we have a balanced economy. Uh, you know that we'll be back talking in time uh, to partners about the fact that we're hitting our targets because nothing will uh, mask... Uh, bad habits. We're in this for the long haul, and we're in it for the, uh, for the success of all of Manitoba. Households, businesses, investment in, uh, in industry. Uh, what I said at the beginning is when I came the first time, we were full of enthusiasm, and we are. Um, the Premier recently remarked uh, to me uh, that there are a couple of hallmarks uh, of people, uh, wherever you measure them, in your enterprise and mine, uh, that are helpful if you're trying to get results. And one of them is enthusiasm. And, and one of them is competency, and one of them is, is just a genuine, all-around, all uh, uh, you know, uh, a good-natured approach to the work, the ability to do the work. And I believe we're demonstrating all three in Manitoba. So um, the Premier likes to say we're getting a Manitoba miracle. Uh, we say that we will be the most improved province uh, in Canada uh, by 2020, and uh, we believe we are exactly on this road right now uh, to uh, fix the finances, 
uh, repair our services and uh, repeal, rebuild the uh, provincial economy. Uh, the Premier says that the only thing better in Manitoba uh, than today is tomorrow in Manitoba. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your interest in Manitoba. Uh, thank you for your interest in, in uh, our government's work and really the work that we're all doing together to build a brighter future. Minister, we'll take a few questions. That's, That's always a sign you've a done your job bunch. too well. <laughs> oh, there we have someone. Hi, Minister. That was a terrific speech. I think we're all pretty excited about um, the prospects in, in Manitoba and some of the great progress you're making to uh, beat back that debt situation. Um, I was quite taken by your reference to the transformation unit and wondered what advice you might give um, business and other interests in terms of maybe connecting and plugging into that transformation unit. Yeah. Thank you for the question. That's fantastic. Your name, sir? Uh, Perry Martin. I'm with uh, Loblaw Shoppers oh, Drug Mart. thank you. Yeah, Perry, uh, we said so from the beginning, uh, we don't take an ideological approach. We're taking a results-based approach, and that really unhooks us uh, from a constraint that was there previously. I'm thinking right now about our approach on schools. We just announced last month that we'll build five new schools in Manitoba uh, to meet the, the demand for it. Uh, and at first, we had favored uh, a P3 approach. We still like a lot of things about the P3 approach, and there's plenty of opportunity to, to entertain it for Manitoba. But we actually changed our thinking halfway through. As the evidence came in, we realized that in this particular instance, P3 on schools at this time in that environment, it wasn't going to produce the best return. And I think we thoroughly confused our opposition when we came out and said, we're building this with an enhanced conventional approach on schools, but we're adopting a lot of the things we learned from our P3 discussions. And even P3 Canada endorsed our decision to do so. I think the opportunity for business, I would say, is this. If you know there's a provincial government out there who's taking a real results-based view of the future, it means there's going to be opportunities out there for companies. Because government's mandate is not to directly deliver everything to everyone. But I think it is, uh, when resources are limited as they are, to work more effectively with the partners around us, to recognize uh, credibility and expertise where it lies, and then move to a situation where we can effectively engage that expertise and provide that advice back. Sometimes we're going to need to own an approach. And sometimes we can procure that approach. And our thinking on procurement has evolved a lot in the last 23 months. Uh, I know it's a general answer, but I'd say sky's the limit when it comes to companies uh, and industries. Uh, I think th what we want to cast out there is Manitoba's open for business. And uh, we're thinking hard about evidence-based return on investment. We've built whole frameworks right now whereby new capital investment gets sifted through a qualitative and quantitative measurement, a set of, of metrics where we measure how does this thing score next to the, the other one. And then we take that approach, and boy, does it give confidence in a system when resources are thin. Thank you. That was a, an excellent speech, Minister. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, the first one is, could you provide an update on the application for rate increases at Manitoba Hydro? And the second question relates to your climate plan, uh, and I read through it, 
And I know uh, in that plan, uh, you are very deliberate in saying that the federal plan has to recognize the foundational work and the progress that you've achieved to date uh, in achieving a very above average level of uh, sustainability. Yeah. Uh, do you expect that the f that will be recognized by the federal government under the current plan or proposal? And your name is? Maria Burlatano, CIBC. Thanks for the question, Maria. Uh, for, on the first question, uh, we're all following very carefully the rate application of Manitoba Hydro before the Public Utility Board in Manitoba. And a now uh, all, the, all the hearings are concluded and uh, the decision is expected in a matter of weeks. Uh, now, we all understand that these are very, very significant investments being made by Manitoba Hydro. When we were just elected, uh, there was a study undertaken with Boston Consulting to determine what's the next step, what's the path forward. And clearly, the advice to government was, you complete these, process, uh, these, these projects uh, with the maximum efficiency po possible, you return Hydro to a stable footing, uh, you put your focus on development of new opportunities, which we are doing, uh, management in place that Hydro has been uh, getting down that road a long way in terms of their own operations, operational efficiency. So we'll see what the future holds. The application is for a 7.9% increase, both in respect of last year to ratify it and in respect of the current year. I mean, one thing's for certain. Hydro rates in Manitoba will go up. They will be part of that puzzle when it comes to uh, understanding, uh, you know, how do we put Manitoba Hydro on a more sure foundation. It is the cycle of a large uh, hydroelectric uh, power company to invest, which takes cash, and then to reestablish uh, re sustainability, and then to invest. We're not happy when projects go way over budget, of course, but we're managing closely. We know that uh, Bipole 3 will complete this summer. We know that Kiosk is on, is on track to complete uh, by, uh, by 2021, I believe, yes. And uh, we know that along the way, we'll have an opportunity to sequentially turn on that power and begin to generate revenue. So we'll watch carefully. But I, I realize that I'm, 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 I'm indicating concern uh, about overall, about electricity rates in Manitoba, and I know who I'm speaking to. We have the lowest rates in all of Canada when it comes to electricity. We will continue to have some of the lowest rates in all of Canada. It is a competitive advantage. We want to keep it. On the second question, I've forgotten it. <laughs> That's the problem with a minister. It's question period, one question at a time. The, the, the second question is, I believe, having read through your climate oh, plan, yes, that you feel the federal government's approach is too... Um, the door is closed. Uh, it's too aggressive and uh, doesn't recognize the work that has already been done within your province. It's an important question, and especially in lieu of comments made by senior federal officials last week in a response by our, uh, our premier. That was very strong. But we truly have the courage of our convictions. We actually believe that our plan is better. And like you say, Maria, it also clearly references, it looks behind the curtain and says, but let us understand this whole context. Manitoba, 1.35 million people on a, on a very large piece of geography uh, with huge boreal forest reserves, with agricultural practices that sequester carbon, uh, but with legacy investments that have been made that will return value on green to everyone. So we say we like our chances. I, I don't honestly, if I had to speculate here, and I won't speculate much, it's, it's not good when finance ministers start to speculate too much. My officials get nervous. But let's understand what the context is. There's a lot of shifting going on uh, across the landscape of, of our, uh, of our uh, confederation. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in Ontario in a year. I know that uh, the federal government and the, and the Saskatchewan government are quarreling. I don't know if there's going to be change uh, in Alberta, but some days it looks that way in the next election. 
Now, this federal government has a partner here, a partner in Manitoba that has said Manitoba needs to do its part. We built this uh, plan of ours with individuals like David McLaughlin, uh, who, who's an authority on, on climate change, has been interfacing with government and on behalf of government for years, and others. We took a year to do it. We consulted broadly. We believe that our project will, uh, our plan and our path will provide value. And I told you before we take an evidence-based approach, I think the federal government will come to enjoy seeing the actual effect driving behavioral changes in our jurisdiction. We're saying, let the evidence guide it. But one thing's for certain. You've got a partner here in Manitoba that's playing ball. And I think there's only so much capacity on the part of the federal government over time to engage. There's a wide array of carbon pricing mechanisms out there. And not everybody is suggesting that they're going to be in the fold. I'm suggesting the federal government's intention will go increasingly uh, where they're going to need to... Uh, engage uh, with other provinces. Thank you. Mary Webb, Scotiabank. In lieu of all the federal programs that are being either implemented or developed that encourage collaboration with the provincial governments, what's Manitoba's reaction to the pharmacare and the potential there? Well, and let's remember that um, steps have been taken over the last number of years uh, for provinces, uh, along with the federal government, to increasingly partner uh, on pharmacare. So, so good progress has been made on a collaborative drug procurement strategy. We understood as a small jurisdiction, uh, Manitoba was having trouble achieving the kinds of, of pharmacare framework agreements that Ontario could, because they were a much larger economy. It's a good lesson on procurement, right? Collaboration will lead to a better partner, a bigger partnership. I mean, clearly, uh, there are some broad pledges being made at this point in time uh, that, that are ambitious and costly. Uh, we, we contain all of those kind of large policy issues within, well, we understand what we were hired to do here, and we understand what the trajectory is of Manitoba, a path back towards sustainability. So we have some limited means in, in which to uh, additionally engage on, on, on very uh, large uh, projects that could be expensive. However, we're working still collaboratively now. The, the Minister of Health told me last week there's a lot more work and opportunity in the area of pharmacare itself that can be uh, additionally harvested uh, even now. So I would say in terms of provinces working together, there's great collaboration happening. It was, uh, it was a point of agreement between us and our predecessors uh, in Manitoba that good work had been done by senior officials to engage and get better value. We'll keep going down that path. He really will get to his next engagement without his speech, just note. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome Jonathan Hunter of RBC Capital Markets to thank Minister Friesen. Thank you very much, Barbara. Thank you, Minister Friesen. Uh, that was uh, a no-nonsense, great update, frankly. I think it goes without saying that we are, uh, we're honoured to have you here with us today. So, again, thank you. We appreciate you sharing the vision for uh, Manitoba's economic success and the update on some of the challenges you faced. As you rightly pointed out, you stepped in or inherited some issues around spending and fiscal issues and service issues. Um, it's great to hear you've got a plan for how to address some of those things. 
and the no-nonsense show-me approach to delivering on that plan uh, as we go right now. So thank you for that. I think it's worthwhile to note that uh, uh, um, the government consulted over 35,000 Manitobans when they were developing their latest budget. Um, the outcomes clearly, as, as, as identified by the minister, were focus on the fiscal situation, focus on a moderate path to balancing the budget and addressing the health care issues, uh, which, uh, which, the, which the minister referenced. And I think those were the key priorities in cons- uh, of the constituents. I would point out that this sort of inclusive and balanced approach to budget and, and fiscal reform and management is, is particularly enlightening and refreshing in the world that some of us live in right now, which isn't quite as, uh, straight and a little bit more of a roller coaster start to 2018 that we've all witnessed. Um, I think we've seen some headwinds in the capital markets over the course of the last three months. Um, more so than we've definitely seen since, say, the taper tantrum five years ago or even more generally over the last 10 years. We've got threat of trade wars. We've got rising interest rates. We've got diverging monetary policies in various different jurisdictions. We've got growing debt levels, and we've got inconsistent application of inflationary pressures around the world. And all of that is transforming into volatile equity markets and volatile fixed income markets. Um, Additionally, I think it's interesting to point to say say that Canada has had the benefit of of being a little bit on the outside in over the last 10 years as it relates to looking at the political, economic, and geopolitical events of the world. I think maybe not so comforting, frankly, at the moment is the fact that we're not looking in anymore. We're actually front and center, given to NAFTA negotiations that the minister referenced, close proximity, of course, to the United States, and potential for secondary impacts from some of these trade rumblings that are going on at the moment. I think that in itself is important why we gather in these types of venues and, and, and events to discuss issues, to strengthen our relationships and collaborate. Uh, I think it's critical that we, we, we work to better understand each other's goals and objectives and how they ladder up more broadly to uh, what's going on on a national level, which I think the minister did nicely. I think it's also important from a banking and capital markets, a little bit of a self uh, per- perspective, is, is really that we help our issuers develop diversified funding strategies in times when markets are going through transition, which is what they're going through right now. At $6.4 billion, the, the Manitoba, Manitoban uh, funding program is pretty much on, on track from previous years and has been extremely well managed. We recently had a 10-year deal for Manitoba and Canadian dollars, which was very well received by the marketplace. Additionally, I think it's noteworthy that the Manitoba name is well received globally. We've seen issues in sterling, Australian dollars, US dollars over the course of the past year. RBC Capital Markets obviously greatly values the long-term partnership that we've had with the province of Manitoba in helping advise them and execute on their funding program for the last, last many, many years. And I think we, this, this government finance strategy is critical to our overall strategy, but it's great to be able to work with a partner that's not just talking about change, but is actually enacting change. So thank you again very much, Minister, for, for taking the time and sharing with us your vision and foresight. Um, We look forward to working with you in the future.
you, Jonathan. The Empire Club has had the privilege of bringing issues and speakers to Canadians to hear about important matters of, of relevance to all of us for more than 100 years. But we are a not-for-profit organization, and we simply couldn't do this without help from our sponsors, and we're so grateful to them for allowing us to do this. Our event sponsor, RBC Capital Markets, thank you so much. Supporting sponsor, Coke Fertilizer Canada, thank you very much. And VIP sponsor, Spirits Canada. We're so grateful to all of you, and again, we simply couldn't do this without your support. We would also like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, for webcasting today's event for thousands of viewers around the world. And also thank you to the National Post as our print media sponsor. Although our club has been around since 1903, we have moved into the 21st century and we're active on social media. Please follow us on Twitter at Empire underscore club and visit us online at www.empireclub.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And yes, we're still there on Facebook. Finally, please join us again soon at our next event on tomorrow, April the 13th, featuring the University President's Panel on the Future of Education, talk, taking place at the Arcadian Court here in Toronto. Thank you so much for your attendance today, and this meeting is now adjourned. Thank you.